0: episode where I do important number an important number hey it's out off topic I'm Andrew and what's up Brad I'm Brad here on episode after 200 that's right um, I think you did some project updates right
1: I did a couple of items of news I thought we might touch on first real quick sure take it away all right uh, have you heard the news from Mazda today no so, Mazda announced that the rotary, bringing the rotary back. is confirmed Whoa. for 2022. Confirmed. Just They'll just sell you a rotary
0: engine. Yeah.
1: So, I have a question for you, Andrew. Now that you haven't heard this news yet, before you look it up. Um, if you were to envision Mazda bringing a rotary back in 2022, what would they be putting it in? Oh,
0: Okay, so this is going to be the uh, RX-3 crossover? You're not wrong. (laughs) Um, They
1: call it an MX-3. Okay. Um, However, what would the purpose of this rotary engine be if you were a Mazda engineer? Uh, It is to supplement a hybrid vehicle. It is a rotary range extender. Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah, it doesn't. It's, it's the least it sure fuel does. efficient, the least fuel efficient
0: engine design that's ever been produced. Well, then they've done a lot of uh, good with their SkyActiv stuff. So, plus, it's like um, it's very light, very small. Kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, the, the compact packaging makes sense. Um, the fact that it will be a range extender means that it won't be the primary driveline. So you don't have to worry about any kind of longevity issues and having less moving parts is obviously a bonus. Um, Supposedly, it's not going to have the same issues that every rotary engine that's come before it has had, which are super high emissions and not exactly a stellar reputation for longevity. But, I mean, we'll see. It just, it kind of took me by surprise because I wouldn't, it, it seems like a strange way to go try to make something more efficient. If, if somebody said to you this morning before you heard this news, hey, I'm going to try to make the most efficient vehicle, let's put a rotary in it. It wouldn't be like, eh, all right,
0: good idea. It's, well, like a weird, I mean, it's a weird piece. You're taking technology that they already have and you're, they're just improving upon it. They're not from scratch building an engine design. So I guess. Sure. Uh, but they've
1: been doing that since 1969, 67, uh, whatever year that whatever year the Cosmo came out. Um, but they also have you know zero or partial zero emissions gas engines. Yeah,
0: but they're, Which, they're a
1: lot bigger. How much? How much bigger is a lop two
0: cylinders off of a four cylinder? gas engine you know what's yeah, that yeah but then you have uh, balance issues it's, it's difficult to make a two-cylinder balance right all right make it a three-cylinder yeah but then you, it's packaging issues it's it makes a lot of sense if you if you want to make more room for batteries i'm sure it makes sense and, and i'm sure it. they
1: wouldn't be doing it otherwise but it just it goes against everything that my brain wants to think and it's going to take a little while. to, I guess learn about it and process it. I haven't seen too many details about it yet. Cause it's obviously, you know, today was just the first announcement of it. Um, so we'll see. I don't know.
0: I don't know how I missed it.
1: Yeah. It's been kind of, I mean, I'd say it's been everywhere, but I haven't really been on the internet cause I've been working all day. So I, uh, I subscribe to the Japanese nostalgic car. Um, email feed and they put an article about it and then I researched it a little bit from there so hmm. it is it is making press today but yeah it's, it's neat it's cool to see that the technology is there and I think that if for nothing else that means that maybe there'll be some parts availability in the future for older ones I don't know I don't know what the sizes are what the differences are if it's anything the same the technology still exists they're still going to try to use it leave it to Mazda right
0: Yeah.
1: So. We shall see. Anyway, it's interesting. It's neat. It's kind of an also ran news story. It's not going in a sports car. It's going in the MX Thirty, I guess, is what's going to be. So. Yep.
0: Interesting. Um, It has a terrible name. Yeah, it does because it MX. No, 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 no,
1: no. no, The rotary engine range extender. They're calling it by an acronym. Wait, what? Is an acronym? I missed that part. I haven't said it yet. Okay. But you said it was the MX three. Correct. But the actual technology of the rotary engine range extender has an acronym that they're using in their official literature.
0: Okay, what is it?
1: It's an acronym for rotary engine. Range extender, which is Riri.
0: Okay,
1: it's not good. Go throw that out there. It's not a solid marketing move.
0: Yeah, I feel like that was a derogatory diss in like elementary school. It definitely was. <laughs> so,
1: hey, whatever. Anyway, the the Riri will be appearing in the 2022 Mazda MX-30 first mx3 riri what mx30 riri uh, oh it will be the one with the center console mark of a cork to reference the 100 years of company history so it'll also be like a 100 year gift to the company this vehicle existing so it makes sense that their 100 year celebration would include a rotary of some sort because it is kind of steeped in their history from the 60s through now Listen, I love the rotary engines. I have no issues with rotary engines. I just know that it seems counterintuitive in my brain to be developing a rotary engine in anything in the name of of efficiency. So. I guess. Whatever.
0: I'm going to do it. What was your other automotive news?
1: Uh, did I have other automotive news? Oh, you said you had two pieces of it. Oh, maybe that was it's super important that there was that one. I think there was something else, but now I forgot about it. Cause I got all excited about the Mazda. Oh,
0: good job.
1: Uh, actually I would say do follow JCCS on YouTube this week because they're putting up all of the videos of their virtual show. So they took all of the, um, submissions from people going to the show and they put them, okay. in as, um, like a, they put a video montage together of each class. So that's kind of neat. They did, they did a very good job. It's, I mean not the same as being there, but at the same time it opened mm. up the car co- it opened up the show to the entire world of cars, not just cars within driving distance of Long Beach, California. So Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's super cool. I've been following up this week too. So I'm sure it'll be up for a while. I'm not gonna take it right now when the show's over, but they're releasing a video a day of each class.
0: So we'll call that my second piece of news. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. All right. So what else have you been working on?
1: I do have Project Car Updates. Um, it's been a while since I've done anything in Arizona on cars because I was yep. in Massachusetts for a few weeks. We talked about my updates on the cars that are there. Um, here in Arizona, I have the Eclipse, the Sapporo, and the 78 Toyota pickup, the Hilux, a Little Lightning. So I have mentioned briefly on the show a while back that I picked up some much better conditioned body parts than what were on the vehicle. Uh, hood, fender, and door. So I said, what better time than now to start swapping them over because the weather has calmed down a little bit here. It's not 125 degrees every day anymore. Um, it's been nice to be outside. So I, uh, I hung the door in the fender on the truck the other day. So the uh, passenger side fender was smashed pretty good, and the passenger side door was not straight in any way shape or form it had uh quite a few dents in it so it wasn't worth trying to fix it was worth trying to find a replacement so i found a good solid nice straight door that's white in color um which included everything that the other door didn't have as well like glass and a window regulator so i'll be able to actually seal the vehicle up from the elements now which is
0: a huge step from where it was before so so you're gonna leave it um until it runs, just leave that
1: the way it is. The I'm not doing cool. any body work as far as painting the vehicle goes until the vehicle is running, driving, and ready to go down the road. Yeah, 100%. Cool. But hanging the body panels on it gives me a good motivation to keep moving forward, I think. Um, I also, when hanging the fender on it, it gives me a good idea of how far forward I have to pull the apron because the car was in a you know minor right front collision. So the right apron is pushed back a little bit. So it's obviously a, it's an old oh. pickup truck, so it's traditional body on frame. So there's a inner fender, outer fender, and that's on top of the frame. So when the vehicle got hit, it was hit above the frame, so the frame's not bent. But that sheet metal is a lot softer than the frame, obviously. There's no unibody structure like a you know unibody mm-hmm. an car. So that fender apron got pushed back I'd say a solid inch and a half. Dang. So it's not it's not too much that it can't be maneuvered back to the correct shape with the hammer and dolly situation and hmm. maybe a chain if necessary but we'll see. So, I will give everybody a pro tip right now. Yeah. Um when swapping doors on vehicles, right? Before you swing it closed, make sure the door handle works. Uh. So I got it all pretty much lined up by sight, um, got it all bolted up, went, swung it closed, everything lined up, door closed nice, and I went to open it, and the handle didn't do anything. I was like, that's annoying. <laughs> so the window is not in the door, so I was like, "This well, whatever, I'll reach inside. So I reached inside, and the the door lock was engaged, so I was like, oh, that's all it is. So I unlocked it, and I went back and pulled the handle, and the door still would not open. Oh, So apparently the door that I got from a junkyard here had been sitting in the sun for too long and all of the hardware connecting the um, door handle, the outer door handle to the latch mechanism was just, it was tied together with bailing wire. So it it did not work. But I was able to get in there and open it with a screwdriver. Actually, uh, Arizona Jordan was here and um, he was inside the vehicle while I was pulling the handle, so we got Jimmy to open that way. But thankfully, there was no window in it and no door panel on it, so it was easy to fix. But had there been a different situation, we would have been taking the door apart while it was closed on the vehicle, which would not have been fun. Mm. But thankfully, all the parts on the destroyed junk blue door that was on the vehicle, all the handle and latch parts on that are in perfectly good shape, so I can just swap those over
0: and make everything work. So... Yeah, that was like a. That used to be a, a a question that one of the guys I worked with had. He wanted to make a video on like, what if both your door handles didn't work? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's such an edge case, man. Like, there's no way. So I'm going to tell you right now that's not an edge case if you live in a no? place like Arizona. Okay. Because all
1: these cars have plastic. They have metal door handles and metal latches, but the yeah. things connecting all the metal rods are all plastic clips. So something that bakes in the sun, you know, 342 days of the year where it's bright and sunny here, um, they get destroyed and you wind up having an occasion where you cannot open the door from the inside or the outside. A lot of it has to do with like a junkyard car or a car that's been parked for years. And I mean, if you park a car in the sun here when it's 115 degrees out, it can be 180 degrees in the car easily without even thinking about it. So you get a th- picture of that 180 degrees in the car. And then at nighttime, it's down to like 80. And then that swing happens again of 100 degree temperature inside that car. You're going to wind up getting some pretty brittle plastics.
0: So basically, according- I was like, I don't know. I guess you're screwed because I don't know how you would get any of it apart without destroying something. You take the door panel off from the inside. Which is basically impossible. Um... <laughs> We were talking. We, we were discussing this to the like, other day. You'd have to like unbolt the passenger seat or whatever seat it is to like lay it back, because like the seat is in the way. So the use case we were discussing this on the other day was like a mid
1: nineties or early two thousands Chevy Suburban, um, and they were oh, able. Oh yeah,
0: the horrendous.
1: Yeah, they're able to get the door panel off. I'm sure a few connectors broke in the process, or a few clips, but they're able to get it off enough to get the door open. So, yeah, it's, it's not it's not uncommon here because that was the problem I was having with this truck. I mean, again, this is a 1978 door that's been sitting in the Arizona sun in a junkyard for God knows how long. It's been sitting in the sun for so long that the white paint on the door actually transfers itself to me like chalk every time I touch it. Mm. So it's not good, but it has all broken hardware inside. And both handles did not work, so. It may be a little bit of an edge case, but I think it's more common than you think. Just not in New England. Yeah. It was like, I never,
0: I've i never run across
1: it. Well, there's there's always, or... there's always the things that happen when your outside handle breaks and you're outside the car. And then if you have a first gen Eagle Town or Mitsubishi Eclipse, your other handle breaks and you can't get in the car now. Or you No, it's second
0: gens. I uh, have my first gen, remember? Oh, I don't know. I never had. Anyway. I never seen him break. Or in any car when the hood latch breaks. Yeah, that's that's different, though, because you yeah. can at least, like, get to it. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> Unless you have an 80s Corvette. Mm. Which none of us do because we're intelligent. A yeah, Good deal, though. Yeah, they're a good deal. Actually I, I say that in jest because I do like C four Corvettes now. The right one is and by the right one, it probably to be the worst one, I think. That I'd want. Maybe. I'd want a beater. That's that was my thing when before I moved out here. I said I, if I ever buy a Corvette, it's gonna be like the cheapest 80s C four and it's gonna have pizza cutter tires for the snow. So never did it, but nay can always think about it anyway yeah that's my big project car update i hung
0: some sheet metal what'd you do andrew anything i think you worked on the yeah, material I, put, um, I didn't even do that much to it i just put the uh, lift springs in the back which, so uh, you put sliders on i did i think we talked about that i don't think we did um yeah i had sliders for it both those on Uh, I had some Dobinson's rear coils for it. They were lift coils, which interestingly, they were the same height as the stock coils. They have a significant number of more coils and it's a thicker wire though, right? Yeah, they wanted two more coils and thicker wire, but the same height, which isn't so they don't sag. They don't sag as much, yeah. But it also makes them easy to install because you're not really going over the limit of the original springs. And these um, stock replacement conies because they're not long travel, can accommodate them, which is good. Um, But it was pretty easy. So, like, I already had the sway bar out. So I just dropped the axle. spring didn't want to come out. I was like, "Hmm, well, maybe if I jack up one side of the axle to twist it, the spring will want to come down. That didn't work. I was like, all right, it's not too bad to get to the top shock uh, bolts or uh, nuts because they're only like a 17 and the lower ones are kind of hard to get to. And they're like a 24 millimeter. And I didn't have one at my house. So I was like, well, I'll just drop the top of the shocks cause it's way easier to get them back in. And as soon as I did that and lowered the axle with the Jack, the spring was just totally loose and just fell out in my hand, which is cool. And then the, the, pop the new ones in. Like the passenger side was a little trickier because it's a little tighter with the panod rod mounts and the exhaust running there, but a little fidgeting and it went in. Jacked it back up, lined the shocks up, hooked those up, put the wheels and tires back on it, and boom. I had a, I had measured it beforehand and I measured it afterwards and I had an inch of lift, which is cool. As, as advertised. Yep. I was like I double check these that's what they say they do uh, they did look I mean you saw them in the in the box they look tall like they're yeah, like man these like, things are
1: massive and it was funny when you put them next to the stock ones I was like oh they're the same size
0: yeah but you don't realize how far up the springs go like the spring perch is the very top of the frame like so they like a lot of the spring is hidden by the frame so um these are Variable rate and 30 mil lift, which is like 1.1 inches, and they take an extra 100 uh, kilograms, which I don't know what the pound conversion is. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Um, so, like, I know, I mean, I know just from like sitting on the back of it, just my weight, it doesn't sag as much. Um, and then you get, of course, you get to level the truck because now it's got like drag car stance. So, Monteros are super easy because they just use torsion bars. It's 220 pounds. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah.
1: So that means that literally you sitting on the back, it almost feels like there's nothing there compared to the old springs. Yeah. It's like it's like putting 30 pounds something in the
0: back or 20 pounds something in the back, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Thanks. So not, Thanks for letting people do the math. I
1: Listen, I don't know what you weigh. <laughs> I'm guessing if you're confirming my math is right, then... That's on you. I'm just I'm just making a, a blanket <laughs> uh, statement that the average human male is
0: somewhere about 240 pounds. Uh, so yeah, anyway, you took the weight off the front of the truck. So you let everything droop down. And then uh I love working on not rusty vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um the lock bolt does like lock nuts and bolts that go up through the frame to adjust the the torsion bar. So I didn't reclock them. I basically just tighten them up.
1: Okay, so it uh, makes the front so end stiffer yeah. though,
0: right? So yeah, I was thinking about that. That must be the way it works. Because you can do you can lift these trucks in a couple of ways. You could you could unbolt the torsion bars at the control arms in the front, and you turn the torsion bar clockwise on the passenger side and counterclockwise on the driver's side, like they're toothed. And if you pull the little boot back, they should have a mark, a factory mark of where they went in, like a paint mark. Mm-hmm. You can literally turn them like one tooth, and that gets you a pretty good like lift. And that would keep the spring rate the same. Um, so if you like had a massive lift, you'd want to do it that way because you don't want to crank them up so much because they'd be super, super, super stiff. stiff. Yeah. Um, but you could also, of course, Dobson's does make torsion bars, so maybe someday, but however, I did notice just simply just turning them up so I'd get like an inch more lift to uh, level the truck. The truck rides better, so I'm I'm assuming that the rear springs and the front sways have just sagged yeah, over time. More
1: time for sure.
0: So just tighten them up. Made so it feel a lot better. No coil in the front of the truck. It's just the torsion bars, right? Just the torsion bars and the and the the conies, which are not. Super soft, but they're not super stiff like the KYBs. Right. So maybe just turning them up a bit kind of matched them a little better, because the I, the truck does ride better now. I noticed. So I'm not maybe I'm almost thinking it was hitting the bump stops in the front. Yeah, well, stiff because it stiffening the suspension doesn't always mean bad. So it was kind of like it kind of had a rake towards the front, anyways, mm-hmm. with the stock springs. So now it's it's level, and. It feels like it rides better. To it me. also could be if it was if it was softer, then the front end wallowed a
1: little bit more, and you felt like the, the shock absorber action wasn't fast enough. Almost maybe for the for the, how much it moved around. Maybe you got to match. Yeah. you may match that better a little bit by making it a little stiffer. I Not mean, kind of inadvertently. Yeah.
0: A lot of people say the Dobsons can be stiff springs, but they seem to work really well in the back of this truck. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. It's, it's cool. Uh, now it just needs, um, 33s. Uh, yeah. 30, 32s 30 actually probably next, next spring. I got to figure out, I think you can mount them on, I think the wheels are 15 by seven and a half or maybe they're 15 by seven. You can just kind of squeeze a, They're 15s. Huh. You can probably just squeeze a, 32 by 11 and a half on there. It's going to have a little bit of bulge, but, um, cause I don't want to use the factory wheels are pretty light. So I don't want to, I don't want to change them. Um, that's the only problem is that when you get into 32s, like I was looking them up like Falcon Wild Peaks, 55 pound tire. Yeah. It's not light. No,
1: but a lot of much. that is because they're. Stronger than a regular street tire too, for yeah, not blowing beads off or cutting sidewalls while off-roading, which is obviously ideal.
0: Yeah, this is true, and I and luckily we don't have a lot of steep grades to climb here. Yeah, um, your, your so autocross times, climb. your autocross times will suffer, but yeah, well, I don't have a rear sway bar in the back anymore, so um, it's true. Which I did notice with the conies and these springs, it's stiff enough that it, I don't even notice it's gone, so.
1: Well, and again, you're not driving a sports car, so you're not driving it like a sports car either. So, lack of a sway bar isn't the end of the world. Like we've we've done tons of miles with, you know, a friend of the show, Jordan, and he doesn't have any sway bars in his truck. You know, and he's we, yeah, he kept the one in the miles. front. Yeah. That's it. So I, I don't uh, I don't think it's that much of a detriment to take the sway bar off. Um, maybe there's some at the limit issues, but you know, when are you
0: going to get there? Uh, maybe an emergency or maneuver. I think I think you'll recover fine. Um But yeah, so Chuck looks pretty cool. Rides nice. Gonna um meet up with some friends. We're gonna do a little bit of the Trans New Hampshire trails uh Monday. It's oh, a that's holiday. Cool. That's yeah. cool. We'll Wait, what is
1: Monday? Oh that's Columbus
0: Day. Columbus Day. Yeah.
1: That's
0: right too. Um yeah, and I guess like a mild lift is recommended. So there you go, one inch lift. Which I didn't want to go crazy because I don't have long travel shocks, and I don't want to make the thing undrivable in the street because I do right. still drive it a lot. On you want to get, get in and out of it. You want to load the dog in it. You want to load the kid in it. You don't want to make it
1: ridiculous. Yeah, I I think anywhere between a one and a two inch lift is probably you know as far as I'd go anyway for a few reasons. Being the convenience, and number two being the vehicles gets top heavy at a certain point. Like there's no need. Yeah. for it.
0: there's no. Need I don't to like the way high. these. I don't like the way these trucks look when people do body lifts. Yeah, and they look weird because then none of the bumpers fit anymore.
1: And at the end of the day, let's be honest. I mean, and this goes for me too. Like we're not hardcore off roaders. Like we have no shame in the fact that we're not rock crawling here. We're we're taking, you know, I I won't say a groomed trail all the time, but. Usually a trail that's been broken by somebody else, and we know we can go down it. It's not Monteros aren't rock crawling vehicles, anyways.
0: They're well you can do. I mean, ask some certain people out here, and they are. Yeah, but they're not like you got to really modify them for like serious rock crawling. Oh, of course. They're they're better on like you know a broken trail.
1: They're than, they're an all terrain vehicle, and rock crawling isn't terrain. It's like on purpose trying to get stuck. Yeah. So I, I, I've never had an issue with a Montero doing anything we've done. Um, and again, like I said, and, and no shame in what we're doing. It's not like we're, we're out there doing something. We're just not doing, we're not trying to be the most badass off-road vehicle we can be. Just, we're trying to go out and have a good time with friends and see some sights you wouldn't be able to see from the highway. So that's what a Montero is perfect for. And I'm stoked to get another one out here. That's also not rusty like yours not rusty mm. like yours is not rusty so no it's not i miss mine already. Right? Um, i'm glad the guy that got it got it because i did get to see pictures of it but cool i do need a truck again whatever Brr. i'm jealous now of your montero stories
0: yeah i did order some duraback um, bedliner for the bottom half okay which is because you can order it in colors so i got light silver so it'll look protected, not rust repaired. Yes. That's good. So it'll just, the bottom half of the truck now will be textured and the bumper corners. And then I have the the adventure driven design steel bumper. So when I get that welded together and finished, I'll prime it and then paint it with this dirt back stuff. So it'll be silver. That's cool. That'll bring the whole truck together. Mm-hmm. I just need big CB antenna
1: and a roof rack. I have a big CB tenor and a roof rat rooftop tent and a deer stand. And (laughs) what else do you need? (laughs) Mud boggers replicate your first truck when you first got it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see the pictures that you take of it in the woods this weekend. Yes. I won't be able to be there, but
0: I got my teal max tracks to match your teal Dobson Springs. That's right. It's all all about the theme. Yeah, 90s uh, looking Max tracks. I have to get you a teal hat to wear out in the out in the sure. forest just to
1: match everything together.
0: I oh, was speaking of. I got a couple more um, Mitsubishi Motorsport books. Okay. eBay. Excellent. Because I I was like, I should grab these because they are kind of rare. So I want. I, I can't them. wait to see the
1: 80s ones in person because they have the stereons in my.
0: Well, I got the, it's, the early ones are like the earliest one, I guess, is 86. So I have that one that's 87. They're purely Dakar. Um, I don't think, I gotta double check. I don't think there's an 86, 88 one for like everything. Okay. Because then it jumps to like uh, 88, 89. Oh, no, no. I have the 87, 88, I think. I gotta look. It's kind of confusing because they cover. Each one covers after 87, each one covers two years and they overlap. So it'll be like 87, 88, 88, 89, 89, 90, 90, 91. So
1: it's like a, 91, a, a 92. June to June
0: scenario. Yeah. Because that's kind of the way the the season kind of goes because Dakar is always in January and then WRC starts in like. Um, February I think usually like Monte Carlo okay so that would, then it, that would lend credence to the fact they should do a January to January book <laughs> yeah but I don't know but then they it's like cool because it covers like all of the um, the stuff that's like all uh, Asia Pacific rally all the European stuff and like the books are just like Super like photo filled, and I didn't even realize in '87 that Andrew Cowan drove the truck into car. Okay, like Andrew Cowan of like Rally Art Europe, yeah. And um, yep, they came in third to uh, that was Ari Vatanen that year in the Peugeot, the yellow one, the yellow one, and then like a Rover was like second. And then 86, there's pictures of the Monteros next to the 959s that they ran in Dakar. The Rothmans cars? That's super cool. Yeah. But it's like, and then they have pictures of all the production-based. So there's the prototype trucks, which are like, yeah, those are super cool. But then there's all the stuff, the pictures you never see ever of the two-door production trucks and the four-door production Pieros they ran Mm -hmm. with, like, all the crazy liveries and, like, all the privateer teams that ran them. And it's just weird that a lot of them don't like, I don't know. A lot of the, uh, I was telling you a lot of the documentaries I've seen, like just don't show all that stuff. It's weird. Like it's not, it's like Mitsubishi was never into car. If you watch some of the official documentaries, even though they pretty much dominated it. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's kind of weird. It's like all of the camel trophy stuff. Like it's, there was years that Montero's ran heavily and you never see them. Yeah. So it's just very strange. kind of like a, they didn't put a bunch of money into covering it. They put a bunch of money into getting in there, getting it done, and then getting out. But then they made these cool books, so who knows? So we, we found out that, or did you find out, or did our friend Alex find out that these books were sold at, or were given to dealerships? I figured it out, yeah. Okay, which is why they're hard to kind of come by because obviously dealerships are not generally owned by car enthusiasts. So a book like this probably would have been put out like in the – waiting room or the showroom and would have been ruined by a thousand
0: customers hands over time yes yeah, so the last couple ones I've gotten actually had the, the slip covers the slip cases which is cool okay that's cool Um, yeah they're very very cool like I especially like the one that I have that has all the information about the development of the Galant and Ari Vatten and driving it early on and then I've got one that's later it has the development of the Lancer mm-hmm uh, and then the one I picked up, the ninety three ninety four one has development of the Evo 3. Okay. Which is pretty cool. It shows like all the like the early CAD drawings and stuff and the uh, all the fluid dynamics of the aerodynamics around the car. Like those, the, like the simulations of it. It's you, very, very cool. Have you sat down
1: with like Google Lens and tried to translate all that?
0: They're all in English. Oh, they are, are? Yeah, all the books are in English. Oh, that's even cooler. And the, the well, the cool thing is the Dakar ones are in half French, half English, like this. So they'll half the page is the French, and then, and then the it's other it's the same text in, in French. Yep, hmm. that's neat. Yeah, it's very, yeah, they're very very cool.
1: I'll just start trying to pick some of these up so I can have them here too because I don't. Really
0: yeah, the later fun. ones turned into DVDs, which hmm. but early ones are very very cool. Okay. I always try to pop into used bookstores when i find them just to at the random chance you might find one at a bookstore yeah i haven't found one yet but i always like to look through like the transportation section and like a used have, bookstore yeah we have a we have a we chain have we have a chain of used bookstores out
1: here yeah um that i uh stop into once in a while i've gotten some some good like high quality, like real nice format magazines, like the ones that are like, you know, $25, 30 an issue. Mm-hmm. They'll be in a bookstore and all their periodicals are a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> so I picked up some of that kind of stuff there before, but I have not even thought about looking for those kinds of things there. Actually, that's where I bought that Volkswagen repair manual for your dad. Mm. That was that they used bookstore here.
0: Oh, cool. I'll have to take a look at those ones. I thought that you sent pictures today. As always, you can find us on Twitter off topic podcast auto off topic on Instagram auto off topic podcast on Facebook and me race and anger on Instagram and you follow Brad TSI SS 350 on Instagram did you already tell everybody where, where to find me I did excellent T says 350 yes that's the one all right cool keep cars analog. And name for the red.